Matt Davis, he's a lawyer by trade. Uh, it's what you know he does. He helps a lot of small businesses. He uh, tells you what to look for in a lawyer. So many times with small businesses, even even consumers, people are we don't know what it goes. But he talks about that, about what uh, you should look for. He does work with a lot of small businesses. I, of course, uh, uh, evangelize for small to medium business and service providers. Uh, but he talks about some of the differences there in, in technology and, and what to look for. Uh, great conversation. He he hates golf. He uh, dismisses a lot of lawyers in his professions. And excuse me, he... Um, He's got five great kids. He had a heavy metal band as well. He, his definition of discipline, wait till you hear this. I've never heard anything. Is what he equates discipline to is just makes me smile and so unique. Uh, I'll just give you this one teaser and say goodbye. Uh, R&B. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change. Discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. That's fine. Matt Davis, thank you so much for uh, your time today. I really, really appreciate it. Excited to talk to you. What What do business owners, specifically small, medium-sized business owners, what should they look for when partnering with an attorney? Well, you know, the business owners, the thing we always stress is business owners, particularly small to medium business owners, they they do a, a bad job about thinking about what can go wrong with their mm. business. And that to us is it that that's a strength that I think our firm brings to the table. Okay, but now your question is what to look for. You know, I always say look for people with some experience, look for people with a heart that want to help. And um, and look for people, look for attorneys that are just not overboard with selling you all sorts of stuff that you don't need. Because not every attorney, not every business needs the whole shebang. We just did a document, it's up on our website, called the Strong Protected Business Checklist. And one thing that we've got a lot of nice comments about is what it does is it breaks down what you need to do when as you're growing your business. For instance, if you've just started your business, you don't really need to worry about succession planning for your business because you don't have anything that you need to hand off. You know, mm. if it, now there's, there could be some exceptions to that if you have you know, this one awesome patented idea uh, or, you know, product, you might say. But, you know, let's say you're starting a, a law firm or, a, a you know, a, a hair salon or, or a plumbing company. When it's just you and two or three employees, you don't really need to worry about succession planning because if you die, it's just going to fade away most likely. 
But now let's say you get up to a 25 person business. It's time to start being concerned about that. And, you know, another thing that we see a lot is these IP lawyers love to sell you a lot of intellectual property protection, particularly with stuff like trademarks, right? And copyrights. And when you're just starting out, why are you worried about that? Hmm. I mean, that's, that's overkill to worry about that. And these IP firms will sell you an enormous amount of complicated stuff about that. You know, go, let's go get your trademark. And, and it's, it's overkill. It's a waste of your money. Does that make sense? Uh, this is the reason why I'm in the tech industry, managed service providers, uh, but I'm looking out for all small to medium-sized businesses. After all, they're 99.9% .9 of the businesses here in mm -hmm. the U.S. But this is the what you just said is what businesses fear. Their fear of being oversold by things they don't need you know, by lawyers, heck, by insurance as well, by the way, let's just throw everybody in there. But, uh, so how, how, do, how do they, how do they decide what they need and don't need? Well, um, that, that, that is a, a huge question now, isn't it? And not, not to plug us too much, but you know, our, that, that document, the strong protective business checklist is up on our website and the resources tab Davis business law com, And that's a pretty good, honest, I, I, a pretty good, it's of course honest, but it's a compre pretty comprehensive because what we did is I got all of our attorneys and I said, hey guys, what's getting our clients in trouble, right? What, what brings them in the trouble sense? Some people come to us for opportunities, others come to us for problems, right? And mm. <clears throat> when we uh, you know, how would you say that? Reverse engineer what gets them in trouble. We did that list and that's what we built that the strong protective business checklist out from. It's, it's a good tool and we work a lot with incubators um, because we get clients from them and it, they're also just, they're really good partners with us in a lot of ways. And the incubator managers love this document because they're like, wow, this, this really helps answer really the question you just posed. Of, you know, well, what do I need? When do I need it? Um, another just document that drives me crazy are these employment law firms will sell you an employee handbook. Have you seen that? Of course, yes. Oh, yeah. And I mean, what pricing do you see on that? Outrageous. I don't remember right now, but yeah, just I mean, yeah, $4,500, $7,500, you know, what, you know, you know, maybe if you're a 25 person business and you've got some complicated moving parts in there, but you know, it's, it's kind of a silly document at the end of the day. I mean, it's, it's, it's a form and yeah, you know, Forms are simple enough, but when, you know, it, it kind of drives me bonkers what they do. I mean, you know, we, we have a lot of forms that we just give away because I'm like, look, I'm not going to compete with LegalZoom. We're about adding value to your life. If you just want a simple LLC form, here it is. And a simple operating agreement for a single member limited liability company. Not, not that complicated. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about going to legal Zoom, like instead of a lawyer. When, when, when should be the clean break away from legal Zoom? Um, well, a lot of so most small businesses start the way um, they talk. He talks about in emails, right? You know, it's it's a it's a technician who has an entrepreneurial spasm. I think he calls it. And goes out and says, well, I'm going to do this for myself. So, and, you know, right in my mind, one of um, our legal assistant's husband is talking about doing that. So that's fresh on my mind. And he's in one of the trades. And so, and I'll just set up his company for him. But you can, okay, if he's going to just do that, and the main goal is to get the limited liability protection in place. That's your goal, okay? Right. 
then why not just use the simple forms? Because you need it basically just to have your limited liability company in place. And then that's your articles that you file with the state. That's what most states call them. And, and then the second thing is you need an operating agreement. But if you're the only member, then who cares what it says? All you got to do is make your bank happy, right? Right. And I'm being a little flippant, but, you know, you could probably find one or two exceptions. But if you're looking for the rule, you just need something to get the bank happy so that you can open your, oper open your operating account there. Now, here's the dividing line. If you have more than one member, more than one owner of the company, you need to get a grown-up operating agreement done by a lawyer. I see. Because what you really have at that point in time, I call a partnership masquerading as an LLC. Nothing wrong with that. That's just kind of my smart aleck way of saying it. But the deal is, at some point, you are very likely to split sheets with your partner, mm. right? Because a lot of people go into business thinking, oh, I need this other person to help me. Well, you probably really don't. And I'm kind of, I, I have stopped more partnerships than I have set up with huh. this one blunt little phrase. And I'm really, this gets their attention and it's okay. not particularly delicate, but I say, being in a partnership is like, being in a marriage without sex. Do you want to sign up for that? And they go, no. And I'm like, yeah. Now, sometimes you need that business partner. You know, before the um, recording, we were talking about real briefly about my uncle that went to Yale where you, and where you live. I hope I can say that. And, sure. you know, he has had a lifelong business partnership with his um Harvard B school classmate, but they were in the nursing home business. And I mean, they started, they, they left, actually he left Harvard B school and then went to Vietnam where he ran riverboats, right? That, that makes a lot of sense. And um, they went to Dallas and started peeling carrots at a nursing home that they bought, right? And built, but they, they had to have somebody on call because of the nature of the business. Most business partnerships are not like that. And we really discourage that. But if you do get into one, you need to have a grown-up operating agreement, which, you know, an operating agreement in LLC world is, is synonymous with bylaws in corporate world, which there's, if that's, there's, those are your two main options of how you want to incorporate or, or form your business. But I guess the short answer to your question is the dividing line is, if you got more than one owner, get a grown-up operating agreement because you need to have an escape hatch. It's a good way of looking at it. You know, you're you fascinate me, Matt, because you know uh, your mother is fascinating. You know, she she went to medical schools in, in the you know in the '60s when it was tough, and you have great stories about that. And people still walk up to her this day and thank her for the things that she's done. Uh, to help in the in the area of cancer, I believe, correct? Right. And wonderful, wonderful. And you you yourself did not plan to be a lawyer. Kind of came late, but you hate golf. You you uh, yeah. <laughs> You're in a, a, hard, a heavy metal band. You're uh, it, it it you you talk profusely about what people should not do. Your your book is you know the art of preventing stupid. I know I've covered a lot of areas there, but I find you particularly kind of. Um, uh, outside the kind of uh, lawyer bubble that so often I, I see so many lawyers in. Yeah, I I think pretty differently and than than a lot of lawyers, and I'm 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 kind of intolerant of our industry, um, mm. both in how we take care of our customers because we're taught in law school to be very reactionary and to deal with issues as they come versus trying to help people and get out in front of them, not to mention all the pretension of the law business that just 
drives me bonkers. You know, I, I, I thought I was going to be a Washington lawyer and I ended up moving back to my hometown in Oklahoma um, just because I decided I didn't want to be a Washington lawyer. And, you know, there's a, we have a, a famous song in Oklahoma called you're, you're always 17 in your hometown. And, you know, I'm always 17 in my hometown. I mean, and, you know, when I was 17, I had hair halfway down my back. Mm. And so um, that that will make you humble real, real quickly. And, and, and you know, you, you just, you, you cannot be pretentious. You, you know, you got to be down to earth and you got to be practical. And, and we, we kind of joke that, we, we learned how to practice law in the cold, tough streets of Enoch, Oklahoma, mm. which also means you have to take care of your clients really well because it's a small pond. Interesting. And, um, you know, oddly enough, that goes across a lot of trades. The uh, Enid's 85 miles from Oklahoma City, so an hour, hour and a half, depending on where. And Oklahoma City's million four, so it's it's a pretty good-sized town anymore. And the Enid companies do fantastic when they set up branches in Oklahoma because they know how to take care of people. And I hmm. could probably name 10 companies that, that have done that and they do really well. So first of all, thank you. Um, I do come at my profession from a, a little bit different angle than, than you see a lot. And, and that's, you know, my mom taught me how to take care of people. Yeah, and it, and it shows. And uh, your book of art, you know, the art of preventing stupid. And you had some. You were running a podcast for a while. It seems like you're not doing that any longer. Yeah, I'm not running the podcast, and I just figured out it's it's on my daughter's list to do over where we're on vacation to figure out what happened because it 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 unhinged in the last month or two. So oh. I've, I've got to figure it out. And uh, my, my daughter's very techy. So I am fixing that. I'm not not actively running the podcast. I had a, uh, a problem come up in my life at, at that time. Our largest client um, called me and said, hey, you have three branches for us right now. Would you like 45? And, uh, and my, my right hand paralegal who's now our firm administrator just jaw dropped and is like when I said yes and so that that has taken a couple three years of my life to get that manageable um but nice problem know, by the way the reason we got that is because of this this one principle we always tell people if you will deal with your vulnerabilities you can capitalize on your opportunities hmm. and I tell the story all the time that I, I took that to heart and I went down and I made a special trip four hours down to Fort Worth to meet with the regional vice president of that company and said, this is what you're doing wrong with your litigation program. And he was like, are you seriously here just to tell me that? And I said, yes, because I can make you money if you change this. And so when they consolidated their nationwide litig litigation or, or claims program to four law firms, we're the one that got the call. And, you know, that was us dealing with our vulnerability of having this one large client and going, we need to, you know, take super good care of them, which we did, you know, that's our pattern of practice. But dealing with that vulnerability led to more opportunities for us. Earlier, you talked about succession, and uh, you know, I think of, I think of exit. You know, a lot of small businesses don't have a, a true exit plan, but if they're trying to exit or they're they're going to get it ready to sell, or depending whatever their strategy is, uh, you know, having uh, a, a large client like you just mentioned being eighty or ninety percent of your revenue is generally a red flag for acquisition. Oh, it's horrible! It's horrible, and. By the way, I mean, that, that, that is one of the vulnerabilities you always look for. I mean, the, the one big client that I'm speaking of got up to 40% of my personal book of business at one point in time. 
And that's one reason I had a midlife crisis and went out and started a law firm because it used to just be me and I've now got 13 lawyers that work for me. And, and we're growing, we'll grow by six more lawyers is what we have scheduled this year. But absolutely, that's, that's not healthy. You don't want to do that. And by the way, that company, even with the expansion, is like 8% of our business right now, which wow. I'm a lot more comfortable with. And you also hit on something I'm really tuned into right now, which is, is, is succession planning, because um, I feel pretty successful right now because a lot of my personal clients are selling their businesses, which from my perspective was me doing my job and getting them to that. And I'm transitioning out of practicing law because our company's big enough. I'm really more of the CEO now. And you know, if, if, if there's a question in there, it's number one, get your books cleaned up mm. to where a lot of business owners still have a gray area between doing a lot of personal expenses and, you know, fading that into the books. It's happened before. I see that smirk. You know exactly what I'm talking about mm -hmm. and not that you're doing it, but you've seen it before. Certainly. And, and you know, just getting the, your businesses ready for sale. Um, literally we're closing two of my oldest clients right at the end of this year one of whom is selling to one of the major oil companies for um, $180 million, which is kind of exciting. So, Wow. Wow. Uh, the other question I, I, I was thinking about was dealing with tech companies. Is there, is there different, do you deal with any tech companies, any, um, you know, service providers, managed service providers, technology service providers? A few, um, you know, our, I'm sure we do. I don't have very many of them personally. Um, so I'm maybe not the best experienced at that. You know, we've, I, I represent, um, trucking companies and, um, some, uh, trades, you know, HVAC, plumbing, things of that nature. Um, and, you know, I, we have done some tech companies before. And what is there a particular question? They're, they're a yeah. different breed. Oh, absolutely. That's, I guess that's what I want to talk about. And they're, they're, they're servicing. So they don't really have, they don't have products. They're just servicing. They charge flat rate to, uh, I don't know if you have an internal IT department. Or if you didn't, you would outsource it to a managed service provider and they would come give you a flat rate fee and they would take care of everything. The biggest concern, of course, is cybersecurity and all the liability that heads up. And if a customer is attacked, you know, they have to try to prevent that or they have to try to save them out of it. It, it turns into a lot of liability. Uh, very, very interested in that. And um, we just, incidentally, we just spent a, a good stretch of time last year looking into our cybersecurity. Good. Because we offer operate in a dispersed uh, basis, and of course, and well, you know, a lot of law firms are right there. We we're spread out from Kansas City to Austin right now, wow. and and then are growing in all those markets. Um, yeah, it's the it's, and and we we have an outsourced company. We'll probably take it in. Um, in the next year or two. I mean, I say I don't have any tech companies as clients and one of our oldest ones is an IT service provider. <laughs> okay. And, and so, um, and, and they do all of our stuff. We're, we're, we're like peas and carrots. We've been together so long. I kind of forgot about them mm. because, and it's just always something going on. And Ashley's been handling all their stuff for last few years. So when you talk about, you know, the number one mistake business owners make, and we kind of went through it a little bit, do you think there's anything that specifically technology service providers should, are they, should they look for something differently that they, they, they may be doing wrong? Is it, um, is it more problematic to be in the technical, uh, arena? No, at the end, tech service companies, um, they're, they're just service providers. I mean, you That's know, right. they're, they're just. I like to say lawyers at the end of the day are just plumbers pushing paper 
and mm. you know tech service companies are just plumbers pushing programs right or, or whatever you want to pick there um or megabytes whatever and um <laughs> you know one thing about service companies uh, tech service companies that i've seen i've got a friend that runs one in oklahoma city he's a friend of mine from entrepreneurs organization and he has done really well with building his subscription business and and selling package protections um, rather than one-offs. And that, if we want to dovetail this idea, these two ideas, uh, succession planning and or selling your business and that, those... Those subscription plans are really valuable because you, when you sell a, a business with that, with, with a subscription plan, I think the number I see is they sell for more than one and a half times that a non-subscription business will, will carry. Because it, what it, you know, it, it adds to customer stickiness. And, and so that's, that's a really valuable thing for tech companies and anybody going into that business, I would suggest that too. By the way, it's a great business model as well for HVAC companies. You see, even everybody's more a subscription, Wall Street Journal, excuse me, the Wall Street itself, you know, punishes companies who have high revenues, but subscriptions are down. We see that in Netflix and we see that in Disney, Disney, the, the, um, the video, the video side of Disney. Uh, so technology companies were used to be traditionally. So I started my tech business in New Haven in, in the nineties and we were break fix. So if there was a problem like a plumber, we would go and fix the problem. Uh, and we turned it into a managed service where it's flat rate. So if your firm had 10 people, we would charge per person per month and it would cover everything. And if there was a problem, we would fix it. There wouldn't be an additional, but it incentivizes the service provider not to have any problems occur because if it, they do occur, then they have to fix it without any additional cost. So it actually serves both parties. Uh, the client knows what their IT is going to be, what the rate's going to be. They can now forecast it, and the MSP knows how to take care of it within those constraints. So I think that's what you mean by subscription model, where mm -hmm. it's a flat rate. Now, do lawyers ever work in that capacity? Yes. They're, they're, the idea with law firms on that is the, the general term you'll see would be outside general counsel. And... Um, and there could be other models for that. And we have an outside general counsel program we call our Strong Protected Business Program. Now, the, the issue I have with that is, is kind of is this. So um, the bar associations tend to say, this is, this is a common denominator, that you can have flat fees in the law business, okay? But they also throw this at you. If there's ever a fee dispute, they say, well, we want to see your hours that you kept. Hmm. So the, the, the bar associations are populated by the people that told on me in school, okay? I, I have a certain feeling about them too. Really? You know, I just, my goal is stay out of their way. We're squeaky clean. It's like, just keep off their radar. But, um, so we have that program, but we also keep track of our hours. And, um, and, and we do, you know, we have a system that we, we work through and we do our preventive maintenance. And the, the thing we have learned is, we really, to, to be effective at that, we have to have just one dedicated paralegal running it, keeping track of the hours we're spending and keeping track of what we need to be doing. And, and my book really covers part of that, part of what we do. Um, the second, the new book I'm going to get out this next year, which is The Strong Protected Business, takes it to the next level. Um, but 
It's done, it's complicated to do. Most law firms don't have a systemic approach of how to go about protecting a business and keeping them in the opportunity space. Hmm. That's one of our strengths. And now that I'm a little more freed up, we're going to go build on that this next year. Because just like you know, with your business, it can be a great service to your your clients. It, rather than break fix. I exactly like the break right. fix t- term too. I'm gonna start yeah, break fix. It. Yeah, time and material, break fix, right. Uh, even, you know, we talk about plumbers when you're, when, when something, when the toilet's broken, you call the plumber, they come and it's broken and they fix it. Uh, but they're moving <laughs> to subscription as well. Well, well, they're, you know, they'll just do some, they'll charge you every month and, you know, and if they, they'll, they'll keep track of everything. And if they think something's a little old, they'll replace it before the accident happens because they know it, it'll be, you know, so it, it makes everybody, everybody's equal and all partners are, are, uh, are protected. Uh, Another thing about you, Matt, that that fascinates me. Now, now I have I have uh, I've worked with great lawyers as clients, as you know, that represent us. Uh, and then there's been some not so good ones as well, just like in any industry. Uh, but uh, what I like about you, again, we talked about your mother, we talked about your family. You know, you've got five you know great children with your wife. You've adopted two. You're uh, just um, and some other things, I don't know if you'd be too humble to mention that, you know, you, you, you let people know about in your book and some of your podcasts, but I just, I just generally don't see that in not only a lawyer, but just in successful leaders. And, um, it's unfortunate, but I just want to applaud you for some of these things. Well, uh, thank you. I mean, I, I, I really do find that funny because, um, you know, a lot of the entrepreneurs I know are really humble down-to-earth people because one of my favorite lines is from uh, Harvey McKay's book, Swim with the Sharks Without Getting Eaten Alive. You may know it. And he says, I can't believe how stupid I was two weeks ago, mm. right? And you know, the, the cool thing about entrepreneurship and growing a business is you are always learning something. And if not, you're not doing your job. And you are always learning something you can do better. And I just figured out a glitch in our sales intake, in our our new prospective client intake, that I think is going to increase our business by 20% next year. Wow. By just fixing this one little ball that we were dropping. And um, I... And I'm sitting here going, I can't believe how dumb I was two weeks ago that I didn't see it. And, um, you know, that's, and it's, it's really fun to get in the mix with, with businesses and help them and help them figure this out. Just help them, you know, not just admire the problem, but tear it apart. And my quarterly rocks always say, you know, rocks the idea of here's my project. And we do, we run scaling up. Um, a lot of our bit count friends run traction, but we, we do scaling EOS. up. And, yep. and uh, I mean, my, my rock always says break and fix colon. And, and incidentally, it said break and fix our sales intake procedure, which mm. I'm driving my whole team a little bit nuts right now, but uh, they usually forgive me. I remember the first time we had a, a, a picnic and you know, we had acquired a couple of companies and we were, you know, there was about 100, 150 people at this picnic. It was the employees and all their family. And I remember thinking to myself, my goodness, what I've done here, I affect all these families. What, you know, uh, I better not mess up. You know, it was all of a sudden put pressure on me. And like you said, entrepreneurs are humble. The, the ones that I know are, are that way as well. I, I'm not just doing it for myself anymore. I'm affecting these, these beautiful families. And, you know, we have to keep uh, making sure that we do the right thing for our clients, for our employees, for everyone. And uh, everybody wins. Uh, yeah. And I am also an aficionado of... Um, Richard Branson, you know, had this concept of take care of your people, your team, mm. they'll take care of your customers, right? And, you know, incidentally, I was um, 
revisiting our, our scaling up documents, okay? That's where you set your strategy. And the, one of the first things that you do is you look at your, he called, Vern Harnish calls it the seven strata of, and it's, it's like seven foundations of your business. And talks about what you do for your, you know, what do you do for your customers, for instance? And who are your customers? And I'm sitting there looking at this and I mean, it, it's a lot of thought to think through this. And we've been a law firm for eight years now. And besides just me, and uh, and then I brought Jamie on. We actually started, the, Jamie's my old paralegal that was working at the bank. And I went over and said, let's go start a law firm. And we started it. She had a card table in my office because we didn't have a bigger office. And, okay, but back to this seven strata. We're looking at it, and he's talking keeps talking about customers. And I, I just recreated the form because I said, look, I want to know about our internal customers on this too. So I made it more complicated. I didn't just look at what our customers are. I mean, our, our external customers are ambitious business people. Okay. We like the ambitious ones. They're more fun to work for. There's more, uh, you know, road ahead for us too, but I actually put them third on my new seven strata chart. And I first put, well, I, I did staff, okay? You know, the team, not the lawyers, but the team. And Derek's my COO, he says this, he says, we can find lawyers. We're more interested in the team than we are the lawyers. And I don't mean to be uh, dismissive, about the legal talent about that. But if we get the team right, they take care of the lawyers and the lawyers just flock to us. And then we do those two things right, then we're in great shape to take care of our external customers. Very interesting. And it all kind of rolls together and everybody wins. Yeah. and. You know, that's so important. I mean, I was just down here. We're, we're at the beach right now. And I was talking about that with my wife. And, you know, I'm in some lawyer groups with um, lawyers all over America that run, you know, firms like mine that are, are aggressive growth companies or are, are good-sized companies now, you know, 15, 20 lawyers or more. And like, wow, you know, I am really impressed with this is going to sound well some of them get more than others how important the internal customer experience is and um and that's i think that's one of our strengths is we we really pay attention to that both for our our team our staff Uh, those are synonymous terms not two terms and then for the attorneys, who I guess are also part of the team. But if, and that, you, you, I mentioned this earlier, I said, I'm just kind of aggressively against the way my industry te- treats external customers and also internally how they mm. treat lawyers and, and, and staff. Well, and then how the lawyers treat the staff is, is horrific. And we do not tolerate that. I mean, if a lawyer's snotty to one of our paralegals or one of our legal assistants, I will lose my mind on that. Wow. Because I'm like, look, guys, we all put our shoes on every day. You know, we were all born naked and we're all going to room temperature. And I don't care if you have a law degree. You're not somebody that gets to treat other people, let alone other team members that way. Right. But if we create that environment, and this is so true of service industries, if we create an environment where people want to work for us, those are the companies that win because the talent's out there and they are going to flock to us. We just hired um, a new lawyer in Kansas City, and we do this all the time. This is kind of one of our, our basic plays that we do. And he came out of one of the insurance defense firms and they were requiring him to bill, I think nine or 10 hours a day. And 
I gave him a 25% pay raise and took his billing quota down to six hours a day. Wow. Yeah. You know, that's, that's an easy sell for me. Hmm. That's rare, Matt. Well, um, the law business is run very poorly. Not our law business, but the industry. So it's kind of a bird's nest on the ground for us. See, see. So uh, in the podcast, I talk a lot about, I don't really talk a lot, but I always bring up discipline. I When I started my business back in the 90s, I... <clears throat> Gained a bunch of weight, started my business. I'm sure you see this in, you know, younger entrepreneurs. I didn't have a mortgage, didn't have a, you know, a car payment, and I didn't pay attention to my well-being. And I, you know, got up to 340 pounds. I had, wow. a, a, yeah, I had a daughter, and the, the doctor said to me, you know, if you, I was pre-hypertensive, pre-diabetic. If you don't straighten this out, you're, you're not going to see your daughter graduate. So that was kind of my come to Jesus moment, and I, you know, lost 100 over 100 pounds in about a year, and you know. Uh, People ask me like they want some quick, some quick, you know, how'd you do it? Like some one word, two word answer. And I just uh, here's the word discipline, focus. I just you know this is what I needed to do. I have to take care of myself in order to take care of others. Uh, so uh, I, I think I'm disciplined in some areas and not in others. But I wonder how discipline plays a, a role in your life. Discipline is, yeah, you know, it's we at the end of the day. This is not a novel idea, are the sum of our habits. That's those are the biggest common denominators in our lives. And you know, we're recording this right after Christmas and you know, talk about just blowing habits. I mean, I feel like hell today because I've been eating like hell, right? And you know, because I have great candy and great food. But I I talk about this this concept this way because I'm a musician. I talk about life being just great rhythm and bass. And, you know, it's the the great rock bands are not the ones with the great guitar players, you know, the great virtuosos or whatever. You know, the great bands are the ones with the great rhythm sections. Hmm. And and so that that resonates with me in in the sense of you know let's think you know the rolling stones which is about bill wyman and charlie watts just interesting chunking that out you know and it's not about keith just playing whatever random crap keith's playing with a cigarette (laughs) hanging out of his mouth right and it's dang well not about mick because he's nothing to look at right and and so you know that's that's what resonates with me. And, you know, Pete Townsend and the Who would be nothing without the fact that they have Keith Moon and his wacky rhythm and, um, and you know, and John Entwistle. And by the way, when you listen to the Who and then you listen to that album where they go to Kenny Jones, you're just like, he does not get them. He does not get mm. what's going on here. Mm. And that, but anyway... So to me, discipline is about the rhythm and bass of your life, just the beat and the beat and the beat. And, you know, with my law firm, it's attorneys, bill six hours a day, bill six hours a day, bill six hours a day. And it's, it's fantastic. By the way, that's a secret sauce for us because that's a rhythm that they can get into and that's a rhythm that they can then go home and have a happy life. It's a very reasonable pace for life. They go home. They're like, okay, I'm done. I had a great day. I got a sufficient amount of work done to hit a pace at the end of the year. <clears throat> but it's time to stop and do the rest of my life. Because discipline allows you to be a rounded person. When you get lay that rhythm and bass down, then you can go and play that great guitar solo in your life, right? That's absolutely wonderful, Matt. Discipline is rhythm and bass. You know, I 
Uh, it's so simple the way you lay it out there. Uh, you know, I play a little guitar myself. I, I don't know. I know 10 chords or something and I'm strictly rhythm. I don't want to play any leads. I want to just be that back rhythm. I want to join whoever's on bass and be that bed that, uh, of which everything else can rest. Uh, but I've never heard discipline laid out that way. That's wonderful. Are, are you an artist at, at heart? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I and and by the way, I'm so excited right now. We've uh, I finally, occasionally in my life, I found that great bass, that great rhythm section. Really, and we've got it now. And good for you. We're we're working on uh, we're working up our first album, and really excited about that. Yeah, I'm 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 a, a creative type at heart. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. And your band name again? Our, our band is called Geriatric Steel. And we're writing, you know, all the hard rock we loved as kids, right? And, you know, it was about cars and girls and, and, and drinking and whatever, you know, but we're writing it now for middle age and beyond. So, and it's all kind of tongue in cheek. We've got, um, you know, we've got one, get off my lawn and left on the lights, you know, about your kids, you know, you know, everybody, sure. every dad sure. knows that. Teenage and, daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And we got one called Vintage Angel. This is my best line. And it, it's about, you know, it's an ode to older women, particularly your wife. And it goes, she's rocking her readers with the needle and thread. And all I can think is how to get her in bed. <laughs> Good for you. You know, we're having so much fun. My goal yeah. with the band, and I've got my goal with the, the law firm. And my goal with the band is I want to pet, play the main stage of. Walken, which is the world's largest heavy metal festival. So that's want to do that before I die. Wow. Very, very cool. Matt Davis, what motivates you? <laughs> well, you might want to ask my wife. I just like to work. I like doing stuff. You know, I, uh, my, my wife will, my wife comes from this really small family and I come from this huge family. Everybody in the law firm is like, Matt will have a cousin there. Let's just call Matt's cousin. And and we're we all just like to work. And and I don't know why. We just we I just like doing stuff. I you know, I, I wake up at six every day and just start doing stuff. So and I I like building things. You know, I come from old farm people and we just like we like building stuff and you know we we have a saying in the law firm called the farmer's footsteps and what that means is you got to go it's it's the same concept as management while walking around but the, the the old saying is the best fertilizer is the farmer's footsteps meaning hmm. if you go out and look at your crops in the field you go out you manage around you know walk around your shop and talk to everybody that's what makes it prosper because you're going, Hey, let's, let's deal with that. Or let's, we got some weeds here or, you know, we need to throw a little more fertilizer over here. And, and, and I love people. I, I love people. I love, you know, our, our first core value is believe and protect their dreams. And all business is about a dream of a better life. And it's really cool to see people succeed in business. You know, this, this company that were my clients just getting ready to sell, um, you know, he started out just right five years ago was just a brand new startup company. And here we're selling it for nine figures. And, you know, that's just cool to see. And it's the American dream in action. And that's, you know, business is is not the be all end all to life, but it's it's a really important component, and it's a really important part of our American story. If you want to get right down to it, I love to see people be successful. You know, I like I said, I come from old farm people, and you know, it's I love seeing stuff grow. I love seeing stuff prop people prosper. Uh, there's, I don't know if there's a greater joy that I, that I receive than when my friends are doing well or my loved ones are doing well. You know, you mentioned a lot of uh, phrases that you have at your law firm. One of the ones that I liked was a mushroom treatment. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, that's well. That's a that's that's not my you know that's not our solo. But you know the idea of that that's and by the way that's one thing people hate about law firms is the mushroom treatment, which is that's where you feed people BS and keep them in the dark, which is one of the specialties in the legal industry of law firms. <laughs> and you know, another one of our core values is constant contact. Um, that's our our third one. The second one is create solutions because people call us for solutions not to admire the problems. Oh, look at this big problem you have. Let's now let's create a solution. But yeah, communication is, it's just super important. And, you know, about what's going on with the case, because people are calling us because they're, they're concerned about their dream. Right. And we, you know, they, they're anxious. They want us to tell them what's going on. And, you know, we're good at it. We're not great at it yet, but we're getting better. And we're, we're working on some systems. I've been working on that. I like driving my team crazy about that here in the last week, the last six months, really. And um, yeah, yes, the mushroom treatment. I, yes, I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, I've never heard it before until I, I heard you say it. But yeah, I, I could definitely see how that, that happens. How do you measure success? Um, wow. Well, my KPI in our key performance indicator yeah key performance indicator is 30 percent growth per year so right now i'm measuring it like that um you know i probably need to measure it by days i can take off but you know if i if i wanted to but i don't like to take days off because i i like to work you know hey i love what i do so it's not like working right you know that's one of my sons was like you work a lot dad i'm like yeah because i love what i do why the fuck the hell but, you know, hey, another one is um, right now, um, three of our, including me, um, three of our six key leaders at the law firm are gone. And the law firm's still trucking along. You know, that's success right there. Wow. You know, so. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> part of it is how, how well your kids are doing. And, you know, I've, I've got 50 fingers and 50 toes still between five kids. So they haven't lost any digits and you know, none of them are in jail. So there's something to be said for that. Although Luke, Luke did have a run in with the TSA recently. Oh boy. He was wandering around the um, Las Vegas airport and ended up in TSA detention. So I like to talk to him about Luke. It's not good to have friends with badges. (coughs) So to speak, you get what I mean? Yes, I do. I do. Uh, Matt Davis, what an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. I love learning about you. I'm so glad you accepted this. How can we get in touch with you? Your book, the band, the law firm, uh, everything. How can we get in touch? Yeah. yeah, The the law firm is davisbusinesslaw.com. That's the best place to, to reach out to us. And the band, that's one of my, that's my older daughter's project right now. Set up the new website. So that'll be geriatricsteel.com. We've, of course, got the domain. By the way, get your domain. And most people yes. know that. And uh, yes. yeah, just reach out. And hey, I love being here too. And I love what you're doing. And thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you very much. You also, there's a website, matthewneildavis.com as well. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, yes, that's, that's, that's sort of my personal brand website, which I, I currently hate but I'm too cheap to redo right now. (laughs) But it's got your book on it. And uh, uh, of course you're available on LinkedIn again. Uh, Absolute pleasure talking with you. I hope one day we can, you know, have a cup of coffee face to face if we're ever in the same geography, but uh, you know, keep, uh, keep that rhythm and bass going, Matt. Yeah. It's a, it's all about rhythm and bass to be, you know, you'll be a great rock band or a great success. You just get the rhythm and bass down and do it. Thanks again, Matt. You be well. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.